This is Veteran Friendly, a podcast about what it means to support veterans and military families. Your hosts come from the Office of Military Affairs at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Joanna DeMott, our military program liaison, is a military spouse and human resources professional. And Melanie Nelson, our military student services liaison, is a military veteran and a military family member, as well as a university instructor. You may contact us at veteranfriendlypodcast.gmail.com with insights about what it means to be veteran-friendly. Hi, Joanna. Welcome to season two. How are you doing? I'm doing really well today, and I'm excited about season two of Veteran Friendly. Super excited that we have Clay Smith, Special Populations Coordinator at ECU. How are you today, Clay? I'm doing well. I hope y'all are. Yeah, we're fantastic. Um, We're really excited to chat with you, and thank you for reaching out, and we want to hear more about what ECU has going on. Melanie, I think you have a very important question first, though. Yes. So when we want to get to know people, we ask, we go straight to the heart of the matter, Clay. And what we need to know from you is what are your favorite snacks? Wow. Favorite snacks. You guys are starting fast. Um, So I am a father of two. uh, So I no longer get snacks that I own myself. Um, (laughs) The snacks that we might have in the home, uh, you know, would be maybe not kid appropriate, but at least kid, uh, kid design, I might say. Lately, we've been big on uh, apples and peanut butter, oddly. Um, you can tell that I've not prepared for this question, but that's a, it, it, it's important nonetheless. Apples and peanut butter, you know, maybe a half a glass of milk is, has been my go-to lately. Perfectly solid, reasonable options there. We do love peanut butter with the apples, the healthy fall atmosphere that I'm hearing here, that back to school energy in your snackage. Big fan, big fan. Okay, back to you, Joanne. Yeah, sorry for that really invasive question right off the bat, but we really, that's how we get to know people. You know, you've got to ask them the really hard hitting questions right from the beginning. So uh, Clay, I would love to hear a little bit more about your background and what you do. I know you have several things that you do at ECU and I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And so I serve, as you mentioned, as the special populations coordinator uh, within our college of education. So we work with our, uh, our pre-service and uh, in-service teachers. Um, and in doing so, I work with our alternative licensure teachers. And so folks who might have a, an undergraduate degree in a content field, math or science or history or art or something else, um, who then want to pursue their teaching license on the post-baccalaureate space. And so um, within my role, I get to direct our NC Teach program as well as our Teach for America partnership. Um, and as it relates and extends to the military connected space, Um, We have different initiatives within our College of Education, but even specifically within our program and the Teach for America partnership um, that speak to working with military veterans who want to become teachers. And so uh, I'm very thankful for that. Um, That's really where my work has been uh, empowered for the last uh, several years and um, sort of some some related offshoots and some co-chair opportunities uh, that have sort of been unearthed from that. That's a lot, training America's teachers and getting out some, uh, some of those non-traditional students, non-traditional teachers. 
Um, no pressure, right? <laughs> no pressure. You mentioned a couple of co-chair opportunities. Can you tell me a little bit more about those? Sure. So I co-chair uh, internally within the College of Education in East Carolina. We have the uh, Student Veterans Resource Alliance, or SVRA, um, and that's really sort of what my research was born out of. But it's a it's a unit level resource group uh, for veterans and military affiliated students within our, our college specifically. So not only is it a space that you know allows our, our post secondary students to share that veteran status or that military connection, but it also leverages that career and professional interest in becoming a teacher, right? And so that would be something that could be modeled um, in other colleges and schools as well, business, arts and sciences, engineering, uh, things of that nature. Um, so I have been really lucky in, since 2016 to serve in that role uh, as the co-chair along my mentor uh, and friend, Alan Guidry. Dr. Guidry is our uh, interim vice provost at East Carolina University for Academic Affairs. Um, and he is really the mastermind behind sort of that idea. Um, and, and, and sort of that service opportunity that we have in the college. Um, beyond that, I also chair the co-chair rather the uh, military affiliation and educator preparation topical action group. Uh, we call it a tag for short, also because we love acronyms both in education and in our military spaces. Um, but that tag is part of the larger American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education, AACTE. Um, it's an interest group that is related to teacher education and educator preparation uh, and something we actually created over the summer um, that specifically sort of explores uh, our veterans and our military connected uh, students who want to become teachers. And so that's, that's a newer experience, but something that I'm very excited about uh, and very proud of. That's, that's fantastic. It's a lot of acronyms. It's a lot going on, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's really important work that you're doing there. And, uh, really, I mean, amazing. So what in your background, what made you choose this population or how were you roped into this, uh, serving this population? Yeah, great question. And, and sort of more so how it chose me, I think. Um, and I really appreciated the, the conversation from season one that you all had with uh, Jennifer Coffey at Appalachian State who acknowledged you know, her positionality that she is a civilian, non-veteran, um, not a spouse. Uh, but has familial connections to the military that sort of inspired her passion, right? And so very much the same is the case for me. Um, not, a, not a spouse, not a dependent. Uh, two of my grandfathers and, and two of my uncles um, served in the military. And so there is that familial connection for me as well. Um, but, it, but it sort of began um, in graduate school, early in graduate school um, at East Carolina, um, uh, in 2009, a, a friend of mine, Pruitt Rainey, um, was killed in action in the Battle of Lanot. And he actually, it was 11 days prior to his deployment ending, um, and his plan was to come home and become a teacher. And so uh, he had worked with uh, Troops to Teachers, the North Carolina region, uh, Troops to Teachers, um, had a, a real, you know, promising plan in place, um, and, and, you know, life uh, headed in a different direction. And so um, that was something that, that touched me and, and something that um, not so much in the moment, but, but years later, as I reflected on that and sort of the way in which I would like to serve, um, you know, in educator preparation and, and really see it more than just work and just the job. Um, and, and again, it, I have to also credit Alan Guidry, who invited me into this space and, and saw an opportunity for us to improve our programming. Um, and, and since then, again, it's, 
been aligned with my enrollment at UNC Wilmington and the Watson College of Education and some, uh, some research that I was asked to do there. Um, and, and again, it's, it's one of those things that is, is so empowering, it's, it's beyond just work. It's, it's more, of, more of service for me. Fantastic. So you're getting that, that mission, having a mission and a purpose aligned with just your, you know, not just doing an everyday job. And we do see that as, as extremely important in, in finding fulfillment at work and super grateful that you've chosen this population uh, with such an impactful experience to kind of drive that. Yeah, and I think again, it, it, it comes back to uh, you know feeling empowered and and realizing that um, the impact is is just as much on on me and on the, the work quote unquote that I get to do, uh, and also the relationships that I get to build um, with men and women who have served or or are otherwise connected with someone who has served. Um, again, I I get just as much out, if not more, uh, than than the folks with whom I work. That's fantastic. So. The teachers that you train, are they, are they working in North Carolina? Are they taking this outside of North Carolina? Uh, what, what are you seeing? What kind of trends are you seeing? So primarily we work with teachers in North Carolina um, and our educator, educator preparation program is accredited to operate within North Carolina. Um, and that's the license that the teaching license that they actually earn with our state department of public instruction. Um, however, we have a lot of folks, especially our military connected community who uh, connect or reconnect with us to uh, investigate what's called reciprocity, which means they want to move to a different state, uh, possibly they're PCSing or, uh, or a new opportunity or whatever the case might be. Um, and so they're inquiring about, Hey, I've got this North Carolina teaching license. How do I transfer that to, California or Texas or New York or wherever. Um, and so that's an exciting part of the work too, right? It's sort of troubleshooting that it's different in every single state. Um, so we see a lot of folks, again, in this connected space who decide to make those transitions out of North Carolina. Um, but a large majority of our folks, you know, might have been stationed or been part of a family who was stationed in North Carolina um, and, and chose to make North Carolina their home after that. And that's sort of where really where the opportunity uh, for our work has, has taken hold is realizing that East Carolina, uh, UNC Wilmington, we're at such close proximity to uh, so many military installations and bases that, um, you know, it would be silly of us not to connect with those folks and, and try to decide how, uh, you know, we can serve them and learn from them. Um, and so they'll then in turn go out and serve our community. Uh, I do work with a, a, a couple of national programs. Again, I mentioned Teach for America being one in the Military Veterans Initiative. Um, so that that really is focused on localized training in North Carolina. Uh, they have a two or three year sort of service experience, and then they often transition uh, to other states. Now, certainly several do remain in the state of North Carolina, but that is common with that group. Um, I also work with a group called Operation Socrates, which is out of New York. Um, Zach Lois is the CEO. He's a former Green Beret um, and now a high school social studies teacher who uh, it is a troops to teachers like program um, who, who really tries to you know, connect with those veterans and uh, either separated or separating service members who uh, want to become teachers and give them the resources they need to you know, find a job, uh, pursue licensure, learn about what it takes to, uh, to become a teacher. So I'm, I'm super excited about that work that's having not just a local impact, but really a national impact. 
This is fascinating. I'm hearing so many interesting things that I want to learn more about, starting with explaining a little bit more about the context for this season of Veteran Friendly. So we're looking at employment, right? So we've kind of investigated what it's like to be part of a public institution such as yours that is helping um, get students into education. So we kind of took a look at the lens of what does it mean to be veteran friendly on a college campus? And you're doing that work, but you're also bridging us into the focus for this season, which is employment. So you're talking about educator preparation, training people to go work in the schools, to have employment in the schools in various ways and combining all these national level programs and then doing that flexing, having, and the, the important thing that I'm hearing here is that you're building relationships with each one of these educators and future educators so that they are willing to come back to you and say, hey, what do I have to do next if my spouse is moving to California? How do I do that? And you're able to provide them those resources and you've already built that trust with them, right? So that they can come back and get that from you, which is fascinating. Um, I wanna go back actually to the very beginning of our conversation. And when you say special populations coordinator, what do people hear when you say that? What does special populations mean for you? Uh, well, originally what people heard in special populations when this position was created in 2015 and then hired at the beginning of 2016 was special education, which is a, a large component of our College of Education in, in the High Needs area within the state of North Carolina. Um, and so we had to, to sort of correct or, or readjust some of those things because I serve not just special education, but a lot of our, uh, rather all of our licensure areas at East Carolina. Um, more recently, and in connection with my research, folks see that title and they think, oh, we've identified uh, veterans or military connected students as a special population. While they certainly are, that is, <laughs> that is sort of a um, in addition to my role as the special populations coordinator. So, um, you know, in your question, you ask sort of what it means to me. Um, it's a really all encompassing opportunity. It's a special opportunity to work with um, our non-traditional students and non-traditional teacher candidates. Uh, you know, so often we think about um, our traditional programming. I, I come out of high school and I want to become, I know I want to become a teacher, right? And so I spend two and a half or three years at East Carolina or UNC Wilmington. And then I do uh, this student teaching internship for uh, a year. And, uh, and then I become a teacher at 22 or 23, right? Um, while we certainly have lots of folks who that is still their experience, that was my experience. Um, our, our numbers of alternative populations and alternative licensure and the special groups um, are steadily increasing and not just in East Carolina, but across the state, uh, sort of in response to that employment, we've got, um, you know, school districts who need to hire good teachers and uh, a larger number of those those teachers are, are coming from non-traditional populations like military connected communities. Um, and so that's sort of where my work intersects with that employment, that staffing piece. Uh, and then we do our very best, as I said, to, to sort of leverage some of those conversations while they are still studying with us uh, so that they feel prepared to either uh, get, a, get a new job or get a job uh, initially um, as they finish up with us. I love what you're saying there, um, because you are helping staff public schools across the state of North Carolina. Like that, that is one way to look at what you're doing. Of course, it's only a very small sliver of it, but sometimes that's the easiest lens to give someone else. And you're like, this is this is we're we're training people to go be teachers, right? Um, and when when we talk about the military families and their those family members and veterans being non-traditional, 
like they're ready to settle down in some cases. They're ready to sit in North Carolina and buy a home here and contribute financially to this area. And guess what? They got to graduate debt-free. And now we can look from the employment side of saying like, they're gonna be here a long time. They're gonna have that 20 year career as a teacher. So where does the term veteran friendly come into that? Do the people that you are educating, that you are training to become educators in the state of North Carolina, we'll just take that population for a moment, do they think that they are going into a veteran-friendly environment in the public school system? You know, I surely hope so. Um, and as I think about, you know, the term veteran-friendly and what it, what it means to me, and a lot of times we have to reframe that to say, what does it mean to them? What does it mean to, to the veterans and to the military-connected folks that, that we are serving and that, in my case, are, we're training to become teachers? Um, and so, you know, so often we think about, um, administrators, either in higher ed or in, you know, private sector organizations, or in, in also in my case, you know, school buildings, K-12 school buildings, um, who create policy for their teachers or for their employees or for their students, um, specifically connected to, you know, military status or veteran status. But often those folks are non-veterans and they may not fully understand sort of what is needed or what that means. Um, so I certainly hope that both our schools uh, in which those folks are working, but as well as our communities, especially in Eastern North Carolina, near Wilmington, near Greenville, and really throughout the East, uh, I really hope that we are supportive of and sensitive to, uh, you know, our military-affiliated uh, students and teachers and, and families. Um, it's such a such a huge part of our state and sort of what we're able to do as a state. Um, and like I said, I really think that it, it really brings folks together, especially folks within our space. Um, but I, I think, you know, we think about, uh, especially the service member themselves, a second chapter of service, and that was sort of a, um, a, a large motto, a large sort of piece of troops to teachers. And now, as I mentioned, Operation Socrates as well, and some other initiatives, uh, Teach for America's Military Veterans Initiative for, for one. Um, but, but it really is seen as sort of another uh, chapter, another way in which to serve uh, to defend democracy. And I know that sounds a little bit cheesy, but it truly is as you're, you're thinking about cultivating a new, uh, you know, a new generation of, of, of citizens, of leaders. Um, it, it, it takes place in our classrooms and, and I'm super thankful to be a small part uh, of, of getting some veterans and military connected teachers into those classrooms. That's wonderful. It's always good to hear. I know um, the Watson School of Education here ran an article last semester about a number of students who had graduated who were veterans. And it talked about what they were going to do. And one of them was like, look, I just got my master's degree in teaching history. I get to go into a high school and talk about history all day, every day. I am so excited. I'm a military veteran and this is happening. And he's just like, yes, this is the person we want in the schools, right? Because Teach for America is so mission oriented. Um, and with the, the kind of two-year placements, and then you can grow it from there, or you can go out into a different field of the community and serve that way. But we're training the people who are going to stay and become that 10-year, 20-year veteran teacher who's going to really make that impact. And when they retire, it's like, well, yeah, he did, he did the military for 20 years, but he also did 35 years in the public schools because he just couldn't help himself, right? And that's the kind of person that we're hoping to have influencing our communities. So that's really exciting. Um, we did a training actually for our Watson student leaders the other day, our pre-service students. So they, um, Watson School of Education at UNCW, they have a group that's a student organization and their primary focus is to do professional development. So they seek different types of training to give to students who are 
looking to be teachers or, or interact with the education field in some way. And so we gave a version of our campus green zone training to them. And then we also worked with our master's level students in the exercise science program here. And we said, you know, imagine yourselves in your future professional setting what types of military affiliated clients might you encounter, but also what types of military affiliated coworkers might you encounter? And how can you work with them and support them? Because these are, we've kind of outlined some of the traits of military people and some of the challenges they might have going on in the background. What do you think you might do to support them? So I'll give you a version of that question. Think about your military affiliated coworkers. How do you know who they are? And how do you work with them? Are you comfortable with them? How does it all work out? A fun and quick antidote before I get started responding that I had my teach teal tank top on under this teal and blue polo shirt that I'm wearing. Not that your listeners can see, uh, but the Watson student leaders, uh, they, they do several initiatives that, that I try to follow each year, but uh, special things go on in the Watson College. So quick kudos to them. Um, it, it's super, it's a super important question, especially from sort of my lens and positionality as a non-veteran too. And I would also say that it's grown and changed and improved for me over time. Um, unfortunately, I had a lot of the same stereotypes, um, you know, that a lot of non-veterans have prior to learning more about the folks within that space. Um, not necessarily negative stereotypes or deficit-based stereotypes, but just stereotypes that we, we shouldn't necessarily apply to everyone, right? Um, the most important thing that I learned, both within my research as well as just working with, you know, colleagues uh, at East Carolina and, and folks at UNC Wilmington and across the UNC system, is to not homogenize someone who is a, a veteran uh, or military connected because every single one of them uh, is different, is unique, um, and is special and sort of in a different way uh, to different levels. And, and some prefer to not even connect to that sort of that, that veteran status or veteran chapter, and that's certainly okay. Um, and so I try to, you know, make sure that I'm seeing the individual, um, seeing, you know, our, our, uh, our mutual interest and mutual objectives, shared objectives, um, you know, and really define ways in which I can build a relationship, not unlike that I would build with anyone, uh, you know, that I might see at the grocery store or the park or, or wherever else. Um, I surely feel more prepared now after, um, again, you know, six years or five years sort of, of, of service in this space and then three years of research in this space um, and more comfortable sort of in my own skin as a civilian non-veteran who is invested and knowledgeable sort of about the work that we do. Um, often we find that, you know, at least some of the veterans that I've worked with and military connected folks that I've worked with uh, are able to, to lead uh, to challenge folks in a way that um, may not be, uh, you know, the, the same if they didn't have that veteran status or that military connection. And, and so I really appreciate that. You know, I think those, those lived experiences um, produce a grit, a, a bit of character that we may or may not have, uh, you know, in the civilian sector uh, without military service. And so it's one of those things that, again, it's fluid. It changes uh, from day to day and from month to month and, and from interaction to interaction and, and person to person. Um, but it's something that I take very seriously and something that I, I think is very important and critical, um, especially as we think about, you know, the military civilian divide and, and really trying to improve and, and conquer things in higher education, in private sector, in our community, um, you know, and just improve the way that we interact with folks. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not just programming. Programming helps give us a structure to build the relationship, but then it really is, like you said, about not homogenizing and not treating everybody uh, we're painting them all with the same brush, as we might say. I mean, I'm a veteran, but my stories are going to be a lot different from your friend who served in Afghanistan. Yeah, we, there's so much, so much more we could talk about here. Is there anything else you want to tell me about your work or or any upcoming initiatives, anything on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, we have several things going on, um, you know, several things locally at East Carolina, several things that, that sort of we're working on, uh, you know, at a statewide and at a national level. Um, you know, but I really think it's it's about sort of finding what's going on well um, in in the local communities and sort of in the spaces in which people live and work or, or hope to work. Um, I'm really excited about, you know, with the connection to um, this season and hiring and, uh, you know, veteran hiring initiatives and employment and those sorts of things. Uh, I'm just super excited about all the, the great things that go on in North Carolina. Um, but also sort of, uh, you know, around the country that are focused in uh, in this space. I mentioned Operation Socrates already. And so if any of your listeners uh, are interested in becoming a teacher uh, or a military connected at all um, in that way, please explore Operation Socrates. Zach, um, who is the CEO that I mentioned, is uh, also an incredibly uh, was part of the uh, task force pineapple that was working with the um, to, to sort of extract some folks from Afghanistan and Kabul over the last six weeks, which is just something incredible that I will never be able to comprehend. Um, he and I were quite literally emailing one day and the next day um, I hadn't heard from him in response to a question. And, um, you know, little did I know that he was literally halfway across the world saving lives. And so um, I, I can't, you know, applaud him and his work enough. Um, and probably not genuinely enough, but um, NC for me, uh, North Carolina for military employment uh, and Kimberly and her team over there are doing fantastic work sort of in this space and not just in uh, serving teachers, but I'm really excited for some of the events that they have coming up. They have a big presence uh, in Eastern North Carolina, but essentially cer certainly throughout uh, the state as well. Um, and then, you know, again, it's just all about finding um, events that are that are going on maybe that aren't academic or professional. Um, I just learned uh, of one called Freedom Hunters. I'm interested in uh, in hunting and conservation personally, and, and that's something that's sort of part of my family and my community. Um, but you know, finding something that is interesting uh, to that that veteran or military connected person that might build um, you know fellowship and and community beyond the academic or the professional space. Um, again, for me, it's being outside, it's kayaking uh, or, uh, you know, hiking or whatever the case might be. Um, but thankfully, there are so many different um, veteran service organizations that are that are specific to uh, things that that individuals might enjoy, again, that are beyond uh, the academic or the professional space. Yes, Joanna, I love it so much when someone comes in and just name drops all of their favorite people around town who are doing good things for veterans. We love those shout outs. Um, good work on Operation Pineapple. We were following that. And uh, you, like you said, we, we can't, it, it's not for everybody. It's not everybody's task, but for the ones whose task it is, good on them, right? Um, and Joanna, I also just love the overall positive attitude and the fact that he just agrees with everything that, that we believe in, right? Which is that we want to work with individuals and help them find the thing that will help them build community. We're, we're helping teach people not just how to become teachers, but how to build a community for themselves and how to take root in a community. And I love so much that Clay was able to share that with us. Absolutely. That community is key. And, and Clay, I, I love the organizations that you've 
uh, mentioned and recommended. And I really do appreciate you coming on with us today and telling us all about the amazing things that you're doing, not only at ECU, but beyond. Um, so thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure. I appreciate y'all for having me and, and the work that you do. This has been an episode of Veteran Friendly. Thank you for listening. Veteran Friendly's music comes from the band Blue Turnip and their song, What Do You Want From Me? You can find their EP songs from the root cellar on Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify. For more information, visit blueturnipmusic.com.